Alrighty then. Hello, everybody listening to the OIMOP replay. This is January 12th. Happy New Year, 2022. This is actually our first call in 2022. And I'm going to kick off this uh, particular call. Actually, one bit of a, a, a news agenda item. I want to try out a new format for the Online Impact live calls. We had previously been doing just two live calls a month every other week, roughly, and mostly just hang out. I tried like the little kickoff topics, something I've been interested in or learning about recently or whatever. That was an okay format. I want to try something new just for a couple of months and see if people enjoy it. I kind of want to do one call a month that's like 75% business and more specifically coaching or just feedback and advice. Uh, I want people to, I'm going to give people the option to write in questions beforehand, even if they're not going to be live on the call and make it more like individual help, feedback, strategy, coaching, advice, like this sort of thing. Uh, And then 25%, like we always do, just kind of hang out, like enjoy the company of like-minded people. And then the other live call a month, I didn't really know what to call it. So just calling it like a hangout. I want it to be like 75% happy hour. Social, just come and hang out with faces you may or may not know or meet new people, like-minded people. Just hang out, talk about business, but in like a little bit more casual way, just a hangout, right? And we'll always talk shop and probably any call that I'm on just because we all have you know common interests. Uh, and then the other 25%, you know, if we get into a discussion on a specific individual and their challenges or something, that's fine too. It doesn't matter. But I just want to like label them as such so that people can know like, oh, this is just this is a little bit more chill. And oh, this one's like a little bit more specific, like Q&A or something like that. And today, I, I want to like, this is the first quote unquote coaching call. I'm not a coach. I don't label myself a coach. But I think people, I think people kind of get that. It's a little bit more specific and focused. And so I got a couple of questions here that uh, people emailed. This is just some; these are just random, and, I, and so I just want to go through these really quick. And then after that, uh, I'll open it up to. Oh, hey, Abby, Abigail Matthews is on the call. You don't have to, you don't have to unmute or anything. I'm just saying hey, uh, and Bri and Kyla and anybody else who shows up. A couple might show up in a couple of minutes. A couple might show up in a couple of minutes. I did not think that sentence through. Okay. So uh, let's just jump in. There's three questions here. Number one, as someone who was convinced Podia was the best all-in-one option for hosting digital products, courses, all of that someday, now Pete has switched over to uh, Thrivecart Learn, but this still surprised me. So I'm asking this, why the switch? We're working on some products finally ebook format, but also Google Sheets and want to get it right on hosting products and doing cart checkout the first go if I can. Let me weigh in on my decision and then let me weigh in on my official advice to most creators. My decision was I've already paid for Thrivecart. Actually, I've paid them like a few times because I've upgraded to like the pro version or whatever over the years, but it's not a monthly payment. I'm done now (laughs) until they release new features two and a half years from now that I have to pay him again. But the point is like, it's not an ongoing monthly expense. I'm already there. 
I'm already integrated there. Like I have my checkout on Thrivecart already, even though I was using Podia and previously like Teachable and Thinkific and all sorts of other stuff. And so one of my my goals for 2022 is to simplify. I'm tired of using all the tools and all the things. I'm now looking more and more to what do I already have and what other things can it do? Even if I'm lacking some of the nicer, fancier features, like can I, do I really need that? Like, I'm just trying to simplify everything. So that was me like a month and a half ago. I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to go with Thrivecart Learn. It's new. It's still lacking in features. Like it's not fancy, but it works. It looks okay. Uh, and you know what? I'm just there already. It's going to work well with all the other stuff I already have on Thrivecart. So that's why I made the switch. I was already there. It's just simplifying things greatly for me. Now, in terms of what I recommend for other people, I still recommend Thrivecart for a couple of reasons. Number one, their checkout software, not the course software, Thrivecart Learn, but all the other stuff, payment, capture, in my opinion, it's really great. It works. It's straightforward. They have all the features that I think most people need and want. It's comparable to Samcart, and Samcart's way more expensive. Well, not way more expensive, but it's a monthly payment and it can add up and I think it's actually easier to use than Samcart. I've had a client or two over the years use Samcart and I was not impressed. I think it works great. I think it's lovely. And for lifetime pricing at the moment, you can't beat it. Even if it's like $500, $700 or whatever it is currently, that's, that's, that's still a great price if you are making sales. That'll more than pay for itself uh, over the long run. That said, if you haven't made a single dollar yet, which I'm not sure who wrote this in, I, I probably wouldn't do it. I would try and get by with the, like a PayHip or a Sendow or even like a WooCommerce, although I hate WooCommerce, just till you have a little bit of traction. Once you get like $100 in sales for like anything, I would argue, I'm, I'm looking at like just do Thrivecart. It'll last you years and you will be fine. So I still recommend it for hosting digital products, courses. They don't do digital downloads very well yet. Like a single PDF, it requires a little bit too much work in my opinion. So this person that wrote in said something about Google Sheets and Google Docs and P, uh, PDFs, eBooks, and stuff like that. In my opinion, just deliver it via email. Throw it on Google Drive, like host it on Google Drive, and just link to that. That's just my opinion. I've, I'm doing that for a bunch of stuff. Um, all my templates at the moment. Again, trying to simplify. Right? I think I think no one cares. Like especially in my audience, I think they just want it done. They just want to have it. Right? And I think that's most people's audiences. So if you're linking to an ebook, PDF, or Google Sheets, just host it in Google Drive or somewhere for free and just link to it in a confirmation email. No software required. Well, I mean, you get the, the payment capture, WooCommerce or Sendal or Thrivecart or whatever, but I don't think you need fancy course software for that. And Podia, by the way, I just still want to shout out, I still think Podia is great. They continue to make it more all-in-one as the months go by. And it is a good price point. 39 bucks a month, I think, is the lower brand. That's that's still pretty good if you have enough sales coming in. But kind of depends on the situation. So I don't know if any of that was actually helpful. Whoever wrote that in, but there you go. Okay, question number two. Uh, number one, got COVID and going for antibody therapy. Okay, whoever wrote that in, I'm so sorry. I hope you feel better and I hope you're doing okay. And I've actually already emailed you, so you know who you are. Here's my question. When it comes to creating content, would it be too niche to combine, I'm just going to read them out, their niches, faith, food, and fitness? 
like being a Christian health coach or a personal chef? Um, here's my official answer. I don't think it's too niche if you can incorporate a personal brand, meaning you're sharing your name, you're sharing your photo, and you're making it kind of about you and your story. Not It doesn't have to be like over the top, but I think if you have your face attached to something and you have your name attached to something and whoever might end up being a follower will recognize your name, I would say do as many niches as you want as long as you have an avatar. I think that's more important, right? And I actually did a podcast episode with Jim Harmer from Income School. Done a few and I don't remember which one it was. I think it was the most recent one I did with him where he he used to feel the opposite. He used to feel like niche down, niche down, niche down, and you're an idiot if you do otherwise. Like don't try and combine topics or niches, like niche down, niche down. And then he actually had a student of his in their program, Project 24, I believe is the name of it, uh, who proved him wrong, who asked him that question and he said, No, don't do it. And she did it anyways, and she crushed it with some of her work and he was he had to take a step back and say like, wow, what, what is this? Like, how is this working? And I think this goes for SEO. Actually, we'll, let me come back to that in just a second. Mostly goes for SEO and blogging and or, I don't know, podcasting, YouTube, or any sort of other content business. I think you can combine niches as long as you have an avatar. If your avatar specifically is into faith, food, and fitness, that's a pretty that's a Nice little avatar. And they're probably interested in a few of those things. Um, Do I think it might be harder for some SEO things? Yes, I do. And the so I follow the authority hacker uh, people a lot. And this is something they're they're saying is going to get worse in 2022. Um, Being broad, tackling a whole niche like fitness is probably like too broad for a lot of newer creators in the first like couple of years. And so they actually suggest like, yeah, go niche down and then niche down again. Like they're, they, they've been really harping on that for several weeks. So I think if you're really trying to triple down on SEO traffic and you're, you don't have a domain rating that's over like 40, 50, 60, I think niching down is probably a really good thing, at least to start. So I would say, choose one, choose one, uh, not just faith, but, uh, chaplaincy or apologetics or any sort of like sub niche or food. Don't just say like, I'm a food blog, but I'm a keto specifically, or maybe I'm even keto for women specifically, like try and get as niche as humanly possible. But if you're not super into SEO traffic and you're trying to do other things, no, I don't actually think it's bad to combine niches. I think as long as you have a pretty defined avatar who might be interested in these couple of things, I think you'll probably be set. As long as you can tell me who it's for. If you can't tell me in a sentence or two who your thing is for, I think it might be too broad. But if you have that, I think you're okay. All right. Question number three. Uh, I'd love to talk about launch failures. Zero dollar launches. Analyzing a launch. Uh, That's where I'm at right now in my biz. Not feeling too bad, but kind of disappointed. I'm looking at it as an experiment and learning experience. More so than just a success and failure. And to this individual, I would say, I feel your pain. <laughs> and not only have I felt that pain in the past, I continue to feel your pain on almost every launch I've done. <sighs> Quick note, a personal note. I think I have maybe done, I want to say like two launches, but honestly, I can only think of one. 
which is so sad, like a live launch, a public launch of a product for Do You Even Blog, which is almost five years old at this point, a London one that I've actually not been disappointed with and actually looked back and been like happy with the results and all the work I did. One. Um, I think there might have been more than that, but I can only remember one. And I've done a lot of launches, probably four or five a year for five years. <laughs> so it's like one happy one and then 24 uh, fairly l- launches that I've been disappointed with. I've never had a, technically a $0 launch, but I have had a uh, like sub $300 launch when I had several thousand people on my email list. And that one, it may be $300, but it felt like a $0 launch. I'll tell you that. That was the worst one that I was like, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> this has been terrible. So to actually go back to your question, number one, don't feel bad ever because these things, these things happen. And I won't mention them by name, but there are other people in online impact who probably don't listen to the replays, so I don't feel bad, who have multiple six-figure businesses who did a $0 launch in the past six months. I won't say who they are, but they know who they are. It just happens. And it happens whether you have 100 people on your email list or 100,000. Maybe not 100,000. That would be impressive. But definitely 10,000 for sure. So it doesn't mean you suck. Um, Number one. Number two, I like to think of the positives rather than the negatives. I don't know if this is good advice or not, but this is what I found helpful. I used to do a post-game breakdown of my launches and I was like, what could I have done better? What could I have done better? What went wrong? Oh, I should have done this. Oh, I should have done this. Oh, I might have could have done this. More social, more emails, yada, yada. I never really found those helpful going forward. I tried to like fix those things, what I should have done better. I never actually saw like I could never tell a big difference, a big difference in results. What I have found more helpful is asking, what did I do right? What went well? What should I do more of the next time? What should I do even better the next time? But this tended to work. And honestly, just on a personal example, I'll tell you what those were in past launches. Asking people for uh, to, to reply to emails if they have questions. They don't do it often, but I I found several launches ago that like, the people who actually take the time to do that are like really close to purchasing whatever it is. Like they're, they are much more engaged and much more likely to buy. And so you can dedicate more one-on-one time there. And I haven't made a big deal of that in the past couple of launches. Maybe I should get back to it. But I, I mean, really hinting, not just like a PS either. Like, oh, questions hit reply. That's fine. And people may do that. But really saying like, hey, if you have any issues with this. Like, I totally understand. I want you to hit reply to this email. I'm here. I can answer any questions you have. I promise not to be super sleazy car salesman. Don't say that in y'all's niches, but in the online marketing niche, that that helps reassure people. Um, but that was just an example of something that I felt worked even in bad, disappointing launches. And so I, I kept doing that. So that that's probably my first big piece of advice. Try and think about what what did work? Even if I didn't get a single sale, but like, were there any emails that had a higher open rate, a higher click-through rate? Um, anything like that. Anything. Even the smallest little things. Like, take note of what, what did work, if anything comes out. That's number one. Uh, number two, this is something I'm currently thinking about a lot, is improving the offer. And we did a, an online impact live call several months ago now 
where I talked through Alex Ramosi's quote unquote $100 million offer book, which I think I read in fall 2021. It's absolutely phenomenal. And I think it's a must read for any online business person, entrepreneur, anybody. I think it's a must read. It's so short. It's like three hours in audible format. And there's one section in the middle that is on the offer equation, I think is what he calls it. It's basically breaking down. What do people mean by an offer? Talk about your offer, improve your offer. What does that mean? What goes into that? And I'm going to do a cop out right here and actually tell people to A, read the book and then B, go back and listen to our OIMOP replay of that week. It should be in the title. You should just be able to see like 100M offer or a $100 million offer. Anybody will find it. But that I think is where most of us should spend more time. If we have a product that didn't quite work out, if we have a launch that didn't quite work out, analyzing what was the offer and how can I make that better? Again, that's not necessarily copywriting or marketing or launch strategy, social media strategy. It's none of those things. It all comes back to what am I giving and what am I asking for in return? What am I giving and what am I asking for in return? The actual offer. And there's a lot you can do to improve that. I don't, I don't have my notes in front of me, so I won't get into it. But improving the offer. And in fact, I was literally taking notes yesterday on my drive back from Indianapolis. I had a long drive. I was listening to some podcast. I wrote down in my notes, like the offer is everything. Like that, all the copywriting, all the marketing, people have emotion tied to your, your launches, your products. Then they have like a logical, like, is this worth the money sort of thing? Like it all boils down to this offer. What am I getting for what I'm paying? What am I getting for what I'm paying? A lot goes into that. And I think Alex Ramosi in that book absolutely nailed it. So I know it's a bit of a cop out right here on this podcast, um, but we did a live call on that already. And last point on this, I already said, like, you nailed it on the head. Um, quote, unquote, I'm looking at it as an experiment and learning experience more so than a success or failure. I mean, that's what we all need to do. But of course, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to be disappointed. And it's almost inevitable for the most part, right? I, I was very disappointed with the BMF launch last year for Do Even Blog. I was disappointed two weeks ago for reopening up Online Impact. I have been disappointed with every launch in the past like nine months. I mean, like really disappointed. Like I think I need to quit. <laughs> like I need to do other things. It's been one long string of that. So you're not alone for sure. And I wish I had something more tactical than everything I just said, but I think that's a good place to start. Ask yourself what, what went right and that you can triple down on. And then two, revisit the, the offer quote unquote. I don't know if that was helpful. Okay. So, uh, that was that was all the, the questions people wrote in. I'll tell you what, while I'm still recording, let me open it up to those of you here live. Thank you for coming, hanging out live. Do you guys have any questions or thoughts? It could be on anything we just said or anything new. That's totally cool. If not, I'm going to stop recording. And then, you know, if you don't want anything recorded, you can ask your questions then. Or we can talk about other stuff. That's fine too. But uh, anything that... Anything you guys want to say? Any questions or ideas? Or if you want to give advice to any of those people that just wrote in? Okay. My daughter's over here singing. 
my daughter is quarantined and currently ripping the threads out of my blanket. This is great. Four-year-olds. Anyways, okay. I'm going to stop recording. Thank you for listening to the replay. We're going to hang out now on the live call. If you need anything, hit me up in Slack. And then I'm going to like start saying this all the time just over the next six months to drill it in people's heads. You can find your online impact dashboard at dyeb.link slash OI dashboard. dyeb.link slash OI dashboard. I'm going to say that for the next six months to drill it in people's head. <laughs> all right. Let me find more to 